Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott and these are in Green Bean. And I'm Angela Samoz and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. Bem-vindo, everybody, to another episode of Our Portuguese Table. How are you today, Maria? I'm doing well, honey. How are you? How's everything in the West Coast? Everything is beautiful here today. Hopefully, you guys are over your nor'easter trio, yeah. trio of storms there that you had. Yes, right I know we're oh, yeah. we're recording now here in the month of uh, March. We don't know when this will be airing, but yeah, the East Coast has been having four nor'easters in one month is just beyond me. Yeah. I had a private talk with Angela saying, oh my God, for the first time ever, I'm thinking of moving somewhere warm. (laughs) California. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, things things are good here. I'm in the final stretches of uh, having this baby. So, you know, that's right. Good, a little tired, but, but everything is going quite well. So I'm very blessed. Um, So today's guests, I'm super, super excited about because it's so different than anything we've ever talked about before. We'll just do a quick introduction. Mariah Grace Vitoria, who's uh, from the Central Valley in California. Hi, Mariah. How are you? I'm doing amazing. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. So I love your story. Just a quick recap for our listeners, and then we'll get into the details of really how you went along your path. So you were a very young entrepreneur. You started a food truck called Mariah's Fair Treats and you did that for a couple of years. And then you became interested in the cryptocurrency world and got into that. And then you sold your food truck. And now you are, I would say, one of the foremost experts, at least on social media and that I can see because you have quite a following in cryptocurrency, you travel the world educating people on cryptocurrency, and you're just like kicking ass and taking names. And it is just <laughs> it's such a cool story that I can't wait for you to share it with. Yeah, I mean, this is because when Angela said, we've got to talk to her, we just have to talk to her because she started off with a food truck, and of course, we're all about food. And then we're like, and now she's doing this and da da da. And for those out there, who don't know what cryptocurrencies are, and I'm one of them that kind of knows what's going on, but really I have no clue whatsoever. So this is like really very different for us mm-hmm. in in interviewing someone uh, on what you're doing. So we're like, teach us how to yeah. enlighten <laughs> us. <laughs> so, so yeah, so start with, you know, kind of yeah, absolutely. And then how you got the food truck and all that. Let's start there. Yeah. So um, actually, just to step back one step further, when I was about 15 years old, I started doing radio contests and online sweepstaking. So I was winning trips and cars and motorcycles um, and large what? cash prizes. Yeah. So I felt that I was not deserving of a brand new car at the age of, I think I was 19, just turned 19. So I started to sell all these cars that I was winning. And it got to a point in my life where I just felt very stuck in the college system. I just wasn't happy with the fact that my professors were entrepreneurs of their own, you know, teaching me about entrepreneurship. 
it just didn't feel genuine. I felt like I wasn't getting the value back for the time I was putting into going to school. I was going to CSU Stanislaus, actually studying business and concentrating in entrepreneurship. So I made the decision that I was going to drop out of college. And most people were not happy about this. I can imagine. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Aunts and uncles, friends, former friends, you know, for some people, for some reason, people were really offended by this. And, you know, (laughs) it was interesting because I had no fear throughout the entire process. It felt so right that there was really honestly no moment where I was ever fearful of the decision I was about to make because I just felt really confident in my work ethic. And I thought, you know, no matter what, I'm going to find a way to make whatever I do work. So I basically said that I was dropping out of college. I was going to continue sweepstaking and eventually start a business. And two weeks after I dropped out, I bought a mini donut fryer off Craigslist. Um, (laughs) That kind of started because my mom got a 75% pay cut. And I said, hey, you know, if I was to start a business and you were to make the food, what would you be interested in? So she brought up, you know, this is a morning conversation. And by the end of the day, I bought everything I needed to sell mini donuts at a festival. Holy crap. Yeah. So we started doing that. And I quickly realized that it was, it was more of a hobby than a business. So I decided to take uh, my savings that I had from selling all the cars that I won and purchase my first food truck. And so um, I was really happy about the fact that I didn't have to come from a place of, you know, loaning money from someone or have that extra burden while running my business. So I purchased my, uh, my first food trailer. I think that was 2013 and my mom wasn't willing to make the other half of the investment. So we split it ways as partners in the business. And um, yeah, every year after that, I just continued to add another trailer to my fleet and add more events and hire more people and just expand because I love growing. And at the same time, in my off season, because I did have a lot of time in the off season, I was always exploring other business opportunities. And that's how I ran into uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. So Back in 2016 was when I got introduced to cryptocurrency. Um, And the first year, I didn't pay much attention. But year two, um, it really caught my attention. And um, it just became so much more profitable than the food truck business. I felt like I was actually using my brain um, and not my body so much because I knew what I was doing in the food truck business wasn't sustainable long term. And um, it just became really profitable and really exciting. And it really opened up my eyes to the corruption in banks and governments. So yeah, it kind of got to the point where the food truck business wasn't kind of, it wasn't quite worth my time anymore. I was losing some passion, mainly because I was just exhausted all the time. Mm -hmm. And I decided to make the leap and sell that and um, travel the world, something I've always wanted to do, enjoy my cryptocurrency gains and just, you know, continue learning about cryptocurrency. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple questions. So first, where do you attribute the, I mean, this is incredible drive that you have, right? And also the confidence to take that kind of risk. Do you think that, is that something that's just innate in you? Or do you feel like it was part of your upbringing or kind of just where you live? You know, because being in California, I think a lot of people associate California to being very entrepreneurial, think like things like that. So first, that was my first question, where you where you attribute that. And then second question would be, so how, how do you get introduced to cryptocurrency? And then where did you start to get your information? Yeah. So my, my kind of, I guess, drive and, and passion and love for business, I've always kind of tried to trace it back as well. And so I first go back to my parents. 
I, I don't see it as much with my parents. Like, you know, my mom's more, she's fearful of things, you know, both my parents just thought I was crazy for quitting school. And so I am like, I love risk. I thrive from risk. And I tell people <laughs> that my risk tolerance level is not afraid to be homeless. And, oh my God. Um, <laughs> and you know, that's like the exact opposite thinking of my parents. Yeah. Um, so so then I take it a step further and, you know, I think about my grandparents who took the huge risk and in, in coming to the United States from Terceda and, you know, like, you know, my, my mom's parents and, you know, her dad who had nine children, one on the way, you know, taking everyone from this small island to America. Yeah. That's, that's a ballsy thing. And so I, um, I definitely feel a connection, even though, you know, my mom's dad passed when she was 13. So I never met him unfortunately, but I feel, I feel connected to, you know, my, my grandparents in that sense, because Mm -hmm. of, um, that big leap of faith that they made to have a better life for themselves and their family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I I can see that. We are, we agree absolutely on that. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the ones that came over, there is definitely that, that drive, the wanting to do better, that taking that leap. And then all of a sudden when they get here, I think that was the big leap. That was the big thing they did. And then once they got here, they were afraid of, I don't know, they're afraid of everything. And it kind of like, it, and it's now in your generation. Now you have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in there. But for whatever reason, uh, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Sometimes um, once they get here, they're almost like, okay, we're here. Let's, let's not do anything. Yeah, let's play it safe now. Exactly. Let's don't mess anything up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That makes so much sense. Wow. I never thought about it from that perspective. But I actually, you know, now that you've brought that up, I'm thinking of different scenarios and that absolutely does fit in so many of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think. And so when you come out of that, when you're a child of that or a grandchild of that and you see, heck, I see my grandparents did it. My parents did it. Why the heck can't I do it? Why are you telling me to be cautious and be, yeah. you know, this when this is what you did? Don't mm-hmm. hold me back. And I know that, you know, whether they do it for out of protection for their own child because they don't want to see them suffer or, you know, struggle or do all of those things that they did when they first got here. They struggled. They went through all of that and they don't want us to do it, you know, and that's there's there's that part of there too um mm-hmm. but it's definitely it's it's in our DNA. it's in our dna we can't help it well and i just yeah. want i just want to say kudos to you for sticking with your confidence and, and yeah. you know you mentioned that you say, like everybody else was freaking out about you dropping out of college but it felt so comfortable to you and so awesome that you stuck with it because i think too many of us let others influence our decisions Absolutely. even if it goes against what we feel in our gut you know, like, oh, I really want to do this, but everyone else thinks it's a bad idea. So, okay, fine. And maybe I won't do it. And then you spend the rest of your life regretting it. Right. So right on. I'm so glad that you followed your gut. It's so important. Yeah. That's a great example. Thanks. Okay. I appreciate that. And I think that's something that we have to practice daily too, is really not caring what other people think. It's, it's like, um, something you have to acquire over time. It's really difficult to kind of separate that in your mind, but it's something that I have to practice every single oh, day. Oh, you know what, yeah. Mariah? It gets better the older you get. <laughs> it oh, truly, Karen to hear that. Does. It, it really does. truly gets better the older you get. And I think it, go, it comes with age. And where you earlier 
um, had that bug or that thing, that drive to do that, it, it, it'll come to you sooner than, than later. But it does come with age and each with everything like now, <laughs> I really don't give a crap. <laughs> I don't give a crap about anyone whoever thinks whatever I'm doing. And it and, and I think it gets worse the older I'm gonna be. I'm really not gonna give a yeah. Um so it gets better. That um that comes with time. That really does come with time. Yep. Great to know. <laughs> All right. So then so I don't know if you have any, any comments to add, but I just wanted to reiterate the, the second question about like, you know, so then when did you, like, how did you get introduced to cryptocurrency? And then you'll have to actually define what that is for our listeners. Cause I think a lot of people yeah. don't really know about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll kind of start with defining it. So basically there's many cryptocurrencies. The first one that was put into creation back in 2009 was Bitcoin. And um, you can read, the white papers on Bitcoin written by Satoshi Nakamoto, who's just, it's like a fake name basically of the person who created it because the person that created it was actually afraid that they could potentially um, be put in jail for what they were doing. And it was actually created out of the crisis of uh, 2007 and 2008 when the economy collapsed and many people were losing their jobs and houses. And it was a scary time for a lot of people. So basically, what's so great about many cryptocurrencies, and I'll kind of just stick to Bitcoin because that's the main one, and the one that I have a lot of faith and belief in is, you know, we live in a country where our government is printing money and devaluing our dollar every single day. And, you know, there's other countries where sometimes, you know, their net worth will be cut in half overnight because of how bad their inflation is. So, for example, Bitcoin, there's only going to be 21 million uh, when it first came when it, first was, when it was first created, it was worth less than a penny. And today, one Bitcoin is worth about $8,000. And mm. what's so great about Bitcoin is that you can send it really easily from one person to another. Um, it's borderless. It's censorship. Um, so, for example, you know, if you wanted to send money back, you know, let's say to some family and the Azores, it's actually really, really simple. It would get to them and, you know, about five minutes or less, the fees would be really low and it would be available to them instantly. Um, you don't have to go to a bank and wire money. So that was another one of the reasons why it was created. And so basically, like I said, there's going to be 21 million Bitcoins in creation. And they're going to be mined by computer systems located all over the world, which makes it decentralized. There's no government. It's actually in control of this currency. Because as we've seen, almost everything the government touches fails. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's exciting to have a currency where the people are in charge, people all over the world, the people that use it are in charge. Um, so that's kind of just an intro of crypto. And I got into crypto it was one of my off seasons in the food truck business. My friend brought to me an opportunity of a company that basically you buy a membership and then they trade cryptocurrencies because these currencies are always fluctuating in price and they pay you back daily based on their profits. So that was a company that I didn't really know much about cryptocurrency at the time, but that was my intro to it. So I'm grateful for that. But it's a company that I don't really like to attach the name. I don't like to talk about the name because I don't encourage it for anyone, actually. Mm. I'm not a fan of the company. And I, I don't like um, that they're just not transparent. And I don't see it being around for a long period of time or being sustainable. Uh, I think it's way too high risk. And there's way better opportunities in crypto. So that was, um, yeah, my, my friend locally that she didn't really understand cryptocurrency either. She just, you know, through this program, saw that she was getting paid daily. And it was 
passive income. And that's what I was kind of looking for. So that was my intro to crypto. A year later, I started actually buying coins myself. I started doing the math. It wasn't making sense. I should have just been buying um, some of these cryptocurrencies myself, and I would have saw much greater gains. So I bought um, my first Bitcoin, I think it was like in July of 2016, and another coin, Ethereum. I bought it at, in December of 2016. And so, you know, I it really got my attention. And that's what gave me the confidence to make the leap out of the food truck business when I saw, you know, this coin that I bought for seven US dollars in, you know, six months jumped to $400. Wow. So I had just seen some really, really strong gains. And it kind of really even made me want to learn more and become ultimately just more obsessed with cryptocurrency. Wow. Now, now uh, can you make a comparison? I'm just trying to think of how, like what people could, um, to help get like people wrap their brain around it. Can you compare it to the stock market where like, let's say you, okay, Bitcoin is worth $8,000 now, but let's say you only have a hundred bucks to invest. You, you put in a hundred bucks and regardless of if the price of the Bitcoin goes up or down, you still own that share or that piece of the coin. And so if it goes up, you make a gain. If it goes down, you, you know what I mean? Is there, is there a comparison to be made for how the stock market works or is that totally incorrect? In, in the sense that it's constantly going up and down um, and you can trade it, like you can trade stocks on the stock market, there is that similarity. And like you said, yes. So let's say, you know, I wanted to buy half of a Bitcoin, just use round numbers and that was going to cost me $4,000. I'd have 0.5 of a Bitcoin. No matter where I store my Bitcoin, it's always going to fluctuate with the value. And no matter, um, you know, if it goes up or down, I'm still going to have basically half of a Bitcoin. Okay. Um, I would actually, I think a really good comparison for a lot of people is gold. So a lot of people call Bitcoin the digital gold is because oh, okay. there's, you know, a scarce supply. And basically, you know, in terms of the supply and it not being really uh, too much attached to like a fiat currency, like the US dollar, a lot of people in, in a sense compare it to gold, like the digital gold. Got it. So it's like, if I have 10 ounces of gold, whether it's a coin or a chain or a little block or whatever, I always have 10 ounces. It, regardless of the value, the dollar value of it, you always have the same physical amount. Yes, that is Got correct. It. Okay. Okay. All right. You know, it's funny because when we were talking about having you on, I'm like, okay, I have no idea what the heck it is. I hear about it. You know, you hear it on the news. You hear, oh my God, people are now millionaires on cryptocurrencies because they bought, you know, so many Bitcoins and now it's worth this and that and, you know, whatever. And so, the, oh, it was a couple of months ago, um, my husband gets Barron's, um, you know, the, the uh, magazine. Yes, it's a, it's a, he gets that because not that we're investing on stuff, but he likes to kind of like just know what's going on out there. And so there was this one article on the new adventures in cryptocurrencies. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to read this and I'm going to know exactly what this is all about. And I was more confused than anything else. I was like, okay. But right now, what you just said with it, thinking of it as gold, makes more sense to me now yeah so we're talking about you know it, it's it, that makes more sense than what i read in barons sorry barons but you did a lousy job and <laughs> so, and, and so the, the whole thing on this i always thought there was just bitcoin you know bitcoin was 
it was Bitcoin, but there isn't. I mean, it's Bitcoin, it's Ripple, it's uh, what is it? Ethereum. Uh, I mean, it just goes on. I mean, there's so many different names of of it that's cryptocurrency. That's that's the thing um, that all follows under the whole thing. But I always thought it was just Bitcoin. See, so this is how I'm really not the most (laughs) inept. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of currencies and. It's really hard to actually go through all of them and figure out which ones are actually legitimate, trustworthy products and which ones aren't. And that hasn't been something that I'm even too too interested in doing. And so I kind of stick to like the top 10 or 20 coins. Um, You know, there, there are gains to be made across the board. But for me, I'd rather invest in a project that's going to be around for a long period of time. So, so yeah, unfortunately, there's actually, you know, it's turned into a place where you know, the media has turned it into this get rich quick kind of yeah. opportunity. Yeah, it which, has. It really has. Which is interesting because the get rich quick kind of happened before all the media. Um, you know, once the media started talking about it, you know, the, the media encouraged people to buy Ripple when it was over $3. They were literally teaching people how to buy it when it was over $3 and how to sell it when it was below 70 cents. So, so that's, I'm, I'm kind of an anti-media person and that for, it's for those reasons. I feel like they really mislead people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel, believe that that, you know, the big opportunity was before the media. I think there's still a massive opportunity, but what I really have noticed is people were, you know, really excited about buying at 20,000, but a lot less interested buying at like 8,000 now. And I think it's a really great opportunity to get into cryptocurrency so it just kind of goes back to us as humans, and that's how our brains are designed um, to really focus on something when it's really expensive, and you know, and buy, and then sell, and be emotional, and, and you know, sell at the bottom. So it's been, you know, there's this huge psychology aspect of it, which is something I've been trying to learn more about, and you know, just be aware of my emotions and the decisions I make with my cryptocurrency. Um, and how to how to not fall into that ninety percent category of people that ultimately lose. Mm. No, that's wow. a that's a great point. And so you've actually spent a lot of your time educating others. You even started a Facebook group where you share the purchases you've made or updates that you get from other organizations and things like that. So talk a little bit about. You, you don't have a typical day, right? Because you're traveling all over. So talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now. And, and you know, so you're traveling, you're educating people. And how are, do you, uh, like, cash out monthly so that you can have money to live off of? How does it all work? I mean, I'm just curious. I'm, it's just, yeah. it's such a unique thing. I mean, and especially, I would say, for our community. We're, we're such a traditional community. It's like, wait, you don't, you don't own a bakery. You don't. You don't well, work I mean, in, a, you're in an office, you, don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's such not a traditional thing that I think so many people are going to be like. Yeah, trust me. I'm trying <laughs> to fill out applications for uh, apartments and I don't fit in any of the boxes. <laughs> yeah. None of these boxes that I'm supposed to fit in apply to me. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, trying well, to fill out. Is this, you say that our, 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 I should say, our Portuguese, our background is very traditional. We know very well that there are plenty of people out there that work under the table, that do not put their money in the bank. Uh, they do put it in, you know, safes or different things in their homes, and they're made to look one way, you know, on paper, but you know, could pay for things with cash. 
So, you know, we talk about how very traditional we are, but we know that that's not the case either. That's a good point. Absolutely. Very good point. Wow. Absolutely. All right. So um, you're, you're. Oh, yeah. Talking. So, kind of my, my day to day. So, I've been, um, so yeah, I've been traveling a lot, really enjoying that. Um, it's come to a point where I'm, looks like I'm going to actually be settling in Puerto Rico. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. So basically, there's actually a really unique opportunity here in Puerto Rico. I wish I had actually known about it a little bit sooner. It's called Act 20 and 22. And it's the government's approach to actually rebuilding Puerto Rico. And so people can actually, a business can come here under Act 20. And basically, I, from what I've understood is if they're sourcing income from out of Puerto Rico. So for example, a consultant, they would be living in Puerto Rico and consulting outside of Puerto Rico, or let's say someone who is selling products on Amazon, their office is in Puerto Rico, but they're selling their products outside of Puerto Rico. There's actually a, only a 4% corporate tax for businesses wow. that move over to Puerto Rico. I'm actually going to be filing for Act 22, which is the personal one, and it's 0% capital gains taxes. So I will be having having this great advantage to all the gains that I've um, I've made in cryptocurrency. Wow. Um, so that's, that's what's bring, bringing me over to Puerto Rico. And it's great because it's still U.S. territory. So I can still be a U.S. citizen. Um, I'll be spending a minimum 183 days here in Puerto Rico. It's really a great, a great place. I'm really enjoying it. There's the, the culture here is just so much socializing, which I'm enjoying. There's actually a huge community of cryptocurrency people moving out for that reason. Actually, majority of people I've met here are, you know, from the States moving over. I believe the program started about four or five years ago. And so, yeah, they're actually a big cryptocurrency community is planning on buying land in Puerto Rico and almost turning it into a um, cryptocurrency town where people earn and spend in cryptocurrency. I know they want to start a bank and an airport um, and hotels and different things like that. Wow. So that's one thing that, you know, if it does end up happening, I'd be really uh, excited about being a part of that and helping build it. Now you're there in Puerto Rico. And of course the same, the only thought I have in my head right now is what I see on TV. And that is, that since the the hurricanes, I mean, they have been struggling. There are people without still electricity or running water, and you you hear all of that stuff. It is it as bad as they're saying it is? Yeah, there's definitely still areas of Puerto Rico that don't have electricity. I've heard fifteen percent of Puerto Rico. I've heard thirty percent of Puerto Rico. Um, the big cities. Um, they have electricity, they have, you know, running water, things got back to normal rather quickly in the big touristy areas, which is probably where where I'll be staying. But um, I've been told it's actually the center area of Puerto Rico that got hit the hardest. That's kind of where the storm went right right through. And yeah, there's a lot of people that are still struggling, um, which is really unfortunate. And the power grid actually is not that good here in Puerto Rico. So I've actually already experienced, you know, some power outages since I've been here. They don't last too long, an hour, maybe two hours. Um, But you can still see, you know, there's electrical lines that are, you know, all over the roads that haven't been picked up yet. You've seen billboards that are, um, that have fallen over onto homes. Yesterday, I actually went with a group out hiking and there was just, you know, we were, 
not just really, we weren't just walking. We were pretty much climbing over trees that had fallen over in the pathway back practically the whole way through. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that unfortunately the media has really politicized it and make it actually probably sound worse than it is. But once you're here, it's kind of business as usual in most uh, scenarios. Well, that's good to know. That is good to know. And so, so while you're there, so you're setting up a business or you're going to be just operating as a consultant there doing like cryptocurrency trading or educating what, what will you be doing while you're there? Yeah. So I'm going to be focusing more on trading at this time. I've, I've thought about consulting cryptocurrency, but, um, I, I feel like all the information I know I get from YouTube. And so it just doesn't feel right charging people for information that I'm practically just kidding on YouTube. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be focusing on, uh, focusing on trading while I'm here. And I'm, I'm really hoping that there's opportunities to kind of help build this cryptocurrency community. Um, I believe it has a potential to turn into like a Silicon Valley. Um, wow. Because of, because of the huge tax incentive here, it's really bringing a lot of really just intelligent business people. And so I think it's really putting Puerto Rico in a great position to turn around the economy. The economy was already in bad shape before Maria and it just cost I don't know how many more billions in destruction. Um, and you can still see businesses that are not, you know, back open and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I'm, my, my goal is to be focusing on trading while I'm here and just really tapping into the cryptocurrency community. Okay. Well, with zero capital gains, I think a zero percent capital on capital gains, I, that's uh, that's a wonderful way to get businesses or people to do um, to do their business there. I mean, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, it's a unique opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what would be your um, advice? Uh, you know, if someone after this podcast goes and googles cryptocurrency and is like, okay, where do I? where do I start? I have a hundred bucks. I want to do something. What would be your advice on how to get started? Yeah. So, um, Coinbase is where I started with cryptocurrency. It's a pretty user-friendly app. They list four coins, Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash, Ethereum and Litecoin. And you know, those are basically Bitcoin, Litecoin and Ethereum are the coins that I believe in the most. Um, you know, they're kind of like the big three. I I Mm -hmm. feel like they are the most secure. Um, but which like, the, for which example, three? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Maria, which three I'm used to that real quick. Oh yes. Bitcoin, Litecoin and Ethereum. Okay. And so those are the projects that I have a lot of belief in, you know, YouTube's a really great place to start. I would just type in things like, you know, what is Bitcoin or intro to Bitcoin? And you, what's so great is there's so many different people talking about cryptocurrency on YouTube is once you listen to a few you know, there's going to be some YouTubers that you don't understand anything they say. And then other ones that, you know, you can catch on rather quickly. Um, Andreas Antonopoulos, he, um, he does a great job speaking about um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and these big institutions that have really manipulated um, our currency systems. And so, so yeah, YouTube just, you know, has such a, um, it's such a great place for people to kind of tap into crypto. Yeah. And you've posted your own videos too, even like tutorials on how to go through a website and make a purchase. Cause sometimes it is confusing. So I've, I mean, I've, I've dabbled into a little bit as you know, and sometimes even just getting verified on a site, because it's one of those things where you can't just log onto a site, create an account and buy with some of them. You actually, they want to verify your identity. And so you have to like take a picture with your, 
with your computer camera of your face and then upload your driver's license. I mean, it's like a very secure whole process that you have to go through. So some of the tutorials that you've done, Mariah, I have found um, quite helpful because it literally is like a step-by-step walkthrough. So. Oh, great. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is difficult. And you know, there's all these kind of, it's called an, it's a know your customer law and all of these companies have had to um, comply because, you know, the government wants to, you know, have a hold on everything, know what everyone's business is and what they're doing. So crypto is supposed to actually come in as more of an anonymous thing, but, you know, in the process of transitioning between, you know, you know, these, these fiat currencies and cryptocurrency, it's, it's kind of like the bridge from to getting people there and kind of having to give up your identity as part of the process. Mm-hmm. And what would you say? So I was actually having a conversation with my brother not too long ago and he was, Oh, I wish I had bought, you know, like a couple of years ago when it was first, uh, you know, first coming out. And now, you know, what it, I'm thinking about, you know, just sinking about a thousand dollars into something. And then I saw him again and I said, Hey, did you ever do that? And he said, no, it's too late. And then, so what would you say to people who have that sort of mentality? Like, you know, there's no way I can afford an $8,000 Bitcoin. The ship has sailed. I've missed my opportunity. What would you say to people who have that mentality? Yeah. So I always tell people, you know, don't invest more than you're willing to lose. Um, because at the end of the day, this is a new technology. It's mm-hmm. one that I really believe in, but I'm also very aware that, you know, it's a new tech technology and there's, um, there are some uncertainties in, in the future of it. So, Absolutely. Don't invest more than you're willing to lose. And cryptocurrency is such a small market. There's only about $300 billion in cryptocurrency right now. And when you compare that to like the gold market, there's like six or seven trillion in cryptocurrency. And um, this technology has just been around for um, about nine years. So I feel like we're absolutely in the very, very beginning. And there's, you know, billions of people in the world that don't have their, uh, you know, they don't use the banking system. And it's so great is that um, cryptocurrency gives people an opportunity to be their own bank and not have to have, you know, a minimum amount in their account every month or get charged. So it has an opportunity to help a lot of people in that scenario. But I absolutely don't believe that the ship has sailed. Um, I myself, um, I, I have, you know, 95% of everything I have in cryptocurrency. And oh, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am. I'm very heavily in crypto. You're I'm, in. I'm, you are I'm in. in. Yeah. But she's not afraid yeah, to be good. homeless. So, you know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I'm in, in terms of that, I'm definitely all in. And, you know, like I said, I feel like the opportunity is still there. It's really, really new. And I think what's going to happen is people are going to just become more educated on, on the corruption that's and how our dollars being devalued every year. Someone described to me recently that basically 3% inflation a year is just another hidden tax. And when you start adding up all these taxes together, you're like, wow, I give away 60% of everything I have every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's almost, you know, for me, it's like a fight against that. And so, yeah, I'm, oh, I was actually, I was saying is I would be buying, you know, at this time if I wasn't already all in on cryptocurrency. So yeah, I, I definitely believe that there is still massive opportunity and, you know, people are going to be looking back probably at the end of the year when Bitcoin could potentially be worth 50000 and saying, oh, I should have bought in March right, when it right. was $8,000. And so, I mean, somebody could just buy 100 bucks and leave it there, right? I mean, Absolutely, yeah. No, okay. no maintenance. You could just, just okay. leave it there and see where it goes. So, I mean, you know, 
everybody listening, you figured you go on a bus trip for a fundraiser, you drop a hundred bucks at the casino, you know, and you've got nothing to show for it because you didn't win anything. Here's an opportunity <laughs> to drop a hundred bucks on a bit on Bitcoin and who and knows leave and leave yeah. it there. And who knows in six months or, you know, it's a long-term thing, right? So like, like Mariah said, it's not a get rich quick thing, but in six months to a year, you could have three or $400 or who knows, maybe even more. So that's good to know that it's, it's not, I guess, unattainable or something that, you know, the average person can't get in on that, you know, Hey, if I've got 50 bucks even to throw away, I mean, think about, think about how much we spend in Starbucks on a weekly basis or, you know, just other things that is essentially throwing money, (laughs) not out the window because the coffee is delicious, but fine. You're, you're not, you're not getting it back, right? There's no, there's no return really on investment. So um, yeah, if, you, if Absolutely. you're comfortable sinking in a couple hundred bucks or whatever, then just do it because, uh, and at this point, there's really nothing to lose, right? It's just going to. Yeah, I think it's a really great way to be involved because once you have, you know, some skin in the game, then you become more interested. You're, you're more willing to educate yourself about it. Um, and so, you know, you can even throw less at that, but once you kind of have something in the game, then it becomes something that people are more dedicated to educating themselves on. And it's a really great experience and I've learned so much um, just how the world works uh, aside from cryptocurrency itself. Hmm. Awesome. And, uh, and all I know is I need to, I, I do need to know more about it because what I was reading is, is every time you buy anything, you're also, depending on where you buy it from, you're paying someone commission to buy Bitcoin. Correct. That is correct. Um, okay. Yes. So mm-hmm. there's there's kind of one really good trick if you're doing larger amounts is if you actually go through Coinbase's sister site, GDEX. And if you were to actually wire money in and set an order just below the market value, you can actually make that purchase for no fees except for the fee that it was to wire the money into Coinbase. Interesting. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, because I was reading, I know Fidelity is part of it. I mean, we're talking about, it It isn't just, um, you know, we're thinking, ah, this is a rogue thing. There are, you know, houses there, um, financial ho- uh, houses like Fidelity that takes care of stuff like that for people. So mm-hmm. they're they're getting involved in Bitcoin. I mean, they're, it isn't just, so if for those that work with a financial planner out there, you might ask them, well, what about Bitcoin, folks? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? Um, Absolutely. I think it's going to become until. easier. I think it's like my, what I would love to see in cryptocurrency in the next couple of years is just to make it a very, very simple process. Um, because it, right now it isn't the most difficult. I mean, on Coinbase it is, but if you want to buy any other coins, it's not that difficult. So once it becomes um, super, super easy, I think that is what can ultimately take the cryptocurrency market to the next level. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, a lot of us uh, are involved in, you know, Portuguese organizations and nonprofits and things like that. And I've even thought, you know, I, I make a hundred dollar donation here or there to multiple organizations. Why not take that hundred dollars and open up, uh, you know, buy some, some cryptocurrency, buy a Bitcoin or something and let it sit there. Yes. The organizations might not get my hundred dollars right away, but in a couple of years, I might be able to send them a heck of a lot more than a hundred bucks, you know, right. 
based on how the how the the cryptocurrency market has has done. So it's that's just a way of thinking outside the box, you know, for our community and how to keep things going and because funding funding is always an issue, fundraising, uh, membership dues. I mean, everybody's throwing a bus trip, doing a, a malasada sale, <laughs> <laughs> a chicken dinner. And you know, know this is not going to go away. The cryptocurrencies right. are not going away. I mean, right. um, so for those again that think, ah, this is just a fad, this is just something, I don't think so. This yeah. is the this is here to stay. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting to see people that are so negative towards cryptocurrency because for me, I feel like it's almost a blessing. Um, and people, people look at it in such a different light. Um, but I feel like it's, it's, it's saving us from this inflationary currency that is not helping us build our wealth or financial freedom in any way at all. No, I, I totally agree. So let's transition a little bit now into the, you know, the, the, the fun food, food topics. And I want to say that, so you've traveled quite extensively since doing this. And I was curious, the Portuguese are known for having explored the world before anybody else, really. Have you, have you seen mm-hmm. some Portuguese influences in your travels that were surprising or just maybe that you knew, like, for example, I don't know if you've been to Macau, but obviously you know, a lot of people know that the Portuguese were in Macau, so it's kind of obvious. But I mean, um, have you been somewhere and, and I don't know, kind of observed a, an influence that seemed familiar? Well, I would say, um, actually, the first place I really traveled to for vacation was Hawaii. And so, um, oh, yes. I, so I went, I think I went like five years ago, and then I went back again this last summer. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with Leonard's Malasadas. Those are my absolute <laughs> favorite. Yeah. And I was just really excited when their McDonald's had linguisa. That, that was just so fascinating. Do you oh, know too? Um, I didn't no, know that. Yes. Yeah, they do. And do you yeah. know that they're celebrating this year in Hawaii, 140 years of, um, of the Portuguese being there um, in okay. Hawaii? I think I did hear something oh, wow. like that. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been there no for, idea. for a while. That's, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so, that's um that's kind of the main one. I've I've traveled a lot to Asia. Can't think of too many similarities at, at this moment. Um but I'm always I'm always excited to jump on a plane to Hawaii and get my malasada. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite place that you've been to so far? Other than Puerto Rico, because clearly you're moving there, so you must love it. <laughs> but like, any any places that you really really enjoyed that you it's your favorite so far? I really loved. I would say it's a really. I would say my top three would definitely definitely be um, Kauai. I loved Kauai. The Nepali coast is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life, um, and it was just much slower than some of the the other island I had gone to, and then. Thailand was also really great. I love Asia. I've become really obsessed with Asian food in the last few months. And then, you know, to be honest with you, when I was young and growing up, I didn't really quite get, um, you know, everyone from the community of Helmar going to, you know, the Azores every summer because my parents really had never talked about going or anything like that. And I actually booked my flight to Tercedo the same day I left. I, it was a Wednesday. I got it, you know, when I booked my flight Wednesday at noon and I headed out, um, I think at 8 p.m. that same day. And once I got there, I completely understood why people Mm -hmm. went back every summer. Mm -hmm. And it was such an amazing, amazing trip. It made me appreciate my culture 
so much more. I rented myself a scooter and rode all over that island and had the absolute <laughs> time of my life. And I ate so much bread. And since they don't have any preservatives in their bread, surprisingly, I didn't gain 10 pounds while I was there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. That's really, really cool to hear that you did that. And, and, uh, I, and I think that turns out to be the experience for a lot of people, right? They don't quite get it. And then they get, they travel there and they're like, it's almost instantaneous. Like, ugh, now I get it. And yes, it's beautiful. And the food is awesome. And the people are awesome. And, and we love it. So that's, that's awesome. That's really good to hear. So when you were there in Saida, did you have any foods that you hadn't had? Like, you know, growing up here in California, any favorites that you, that you have? So what I thought was really interesting is I felt like um, their Portuguese donuts were so much different than the ones that I would get, like fundraisers um, Uh throughout our community. And so these were, you know, they they looked like an American donut. They were just significantly bigger and they, they were, I, I have a hard time describing them, but they were just so different. And I, I was really excited about the donuts and I don't think I've stopped thinking about them since. <laughs> well, you have to understand, and this is something we talk about all the time, and that is the way that they cook in the Azores as well as, you know, especially the Azores. You're, you're, ta- you're talking about, you know, fresh ingredients, all very fresh ingredients. So our cows there produce amazing milk and butter. Uh, you know, the eggs, the yolk is as orange as could be. I mean, you don't even recognize it because it's, so all of that, all those flavors, all of those things into whatever is being baked gives it a whole different flavor that you can't replicate, even though you might have that same recipe here in the United States or anywhere else um, because of the way our ingredients are, are, are grown in the island. So it just you have to go back and you have to enjoy it there again, Mariah. That's, that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. My plan is to visit all nine islands, even the one that has only like 400 people on it. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's, um, that's on my bucket list. So I don't know when I'm going to accomplish that one, but it's definitely happening. Now, what is your, besides donuts, what is your favorite <laughs> Portuguese dish? <laughs> your very favorite. Um, you know, I get really excited. I think I think my mom's food might have an American twist to it. Um, I feel like she, I mean, my dad and my brother and even myself are big eaters. So I feel like, unfortunately, sometimes she just goes for quantity. <laughs> but um, but I really like when she makes a linguisa soup with like some peas and vegetables, just something simple like that. Um, I I just can't keep my hands off of it. The stewed peas, the stewed peas with yes. linguisa in it. Now, did she yeah. poach an egg in it too? She doesn't. No, that's I think the part where she kind of yeah, white she had it. She, it. Was, she was almost there. That's what was missing was the poached egg, which would be amazing, also. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Good to know. I, didn't, I didn't know that existed. I'll have to encourage her to do that next time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your least favorite? least favorite of all Portuguese foods when they say, okay, honey, this is it. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's necessarily least, but I just, um, it's kind of a bummer because I don't eat seafood and oh. it's kind of like, I think it's actually like a phobia of mine is I have just always been like terrified of seafood. 
And I know there's a lot of amazing dishes that people brag about constantly. So it's not that I don't like it, but it's just, you know, it was actually kind of hard eating in the Azores because I don't eat seafood. Yeah. And so and I, ate, is, I ate a ton seafood. of bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're right with the bread. You are absolutely right with the bread. And the bread there isn't like when you go to the bakery here or, you know, where, where you have Portuguese bakeries, you get these pops and the pops are like really like so airy and puffy and you can like almost like, you know, it's, it's spongy kind of thing. Well, when yeah. you're in San Miguel and you have pops, it is not that way. It is not that way at all because again, it's not as processed. Your the food isn't as processed there, and I and you're right. It, they don't put that sugar in it, so the bread isn't always that sweet. So you can eat more of that bread, which is. I, I'm counting down the days. I'm going in May. I'm, I'm going oh, a couple that. of times this year for weddings, so I'm, the soonest is going to be in May, and I'm counting down the days. I'm counting. Oh, lucky you. That sounds amazing. I bet. Yeah, I I think about that bread all the time. And I try to just like the taste is just so different than any any other kind of bread. Mm -hmm. Um, The the fresh the freshness just cannot be beat. Mm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So do you um, do you cook? Did you pick up any any recipes from your mom or in your travels? So, um, like when I was younger, like in high school, I didn't cook too much, but I was really into baking. Baking was my thing. Uh, you know, it kind of got to the point where I couldn't control myself, uh, around the food that I baked. And, um, for, for my own health, I ultimately had to stop baking because of that. I just had to change the environment that I was putting myself into. And, um, so I've always been more into cooking desserts. Um, and yeah, so desserts is, is more for me to be honest. I haven't taken up a, I mean, you would think so because I was like in the food truck business and I fried food all day, but, um, cooking is just something that I haven't quite picked up yet. Well, let me ask you this. Now your family is from Tercero. Did they make the bean cupcakes? Bean cupcakes. Like queijadas de feijão, right? Those ones you're yes. talking about? Yes, queijadas de feijão. Um, I don't think I've ever seen those before. What kind of beans do they put in there? The, it is amazing. They're amazing. And and to this day, Angela, I still don't have a recipe for queijadas de feijão. <laughs> no one wants to share their queijadas de feijão with me. And, uh, no, and they, sharing. Yes, and they can make them with white beans. So the the cupcake, the tart, is obviously whitish. Um, and they sometimes also make, some of them make them with the the red kidney bean. So it gives you like almost like a chocolate-looking tart but or queijada, but it's actually, it's bean. It's bean puree. It's it's incredible. That is really interesting. And so can you the, find them at like a bakery in Tercedo? You can. Uh, well, you can find them. I can find them in some of the bakeries here in the East Coast. When we were, when I was in the West Coast, I had it at um, the Bakery Poplar, right? The, in yep. San Jose. Yep. They made it there. And that was amazing. Th- that that whole bakery was just incredible anyway. And I, um, and I know she's from Tercero, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, and it was, it was fantastic. Fantastic. I had no idea they existed, but if I ever see one now, I know I have to get it. 
And the fun, well, and the funny thing is you hear bean and you think, okay, is this going to taste like refried beans or something? And it totally doesn't. It's sweet and it's delicious. It actually, it's, I guess it's more of a, the consistency that the bean provides because it doesn't, yeah. you don't get a bean flavor. I think. No, 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 yeah. no. And I know this caramel in it. I know that oh. much. Yeah. Mm. This caramel in it. You make a caramel and you add that in there. I know that, but I, I've tried it a few different ways and it's still not exactly right. So I'm thinking someone out there will eventually feel sorry for me and they will go, okay, Maria, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, and that, but then they're going to say, but I want uh, a royalty every time someone, you know, (laughs) uses my recipe from your book or whatever. Yeah, no, and I can't do that. How the hell do I know? I mean, I can't know. I have no idea. I do know that there are people selling out there. There's a bakery, I I won't say where or whatever, but they make my pushkutch, the recipe I have in in my book for the biscuits. Um, I you know, I see pictures of them and they're like, here it is. We sell your biscuits. It's a great seller. It's like, Hey, good. <laughs> so, you know, I don't ask for royalties there. It's, it's that, that just goes, that just happens. It's just preserving, preserving stuff that we need to pass on. Very cool. So <laughs> one of the other questions that we like to ask our guests uh, related to food is your first food memory. So I, I'm going to take a go out on a limb and say it might've been a donut. But <laughs> why don't you tell us what your first food memory is? This is going to be such a disappointing answer. I feel like oh. you guys are not going to be happy about this one. There's no but wrong answers. Oh I just remember as a kid, always begging my mom to take me to Taco Bell. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that. Yeah, I was, um, I was no. obsessed, you know, with, with crunchy tacos. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so when I think really young, that's honestly like, um, that's, that's, that's what I think of. Wow. Well, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the Americanization, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, the crunchy Taco Bell tacos do fill a craving every now and then. I mean, <laughs> we are very blessed here in California to have really good taquerias, but every now and then just a, you know, Taco Bell or Taco Hell as we eat or Taco Smell, you know, there's any number of nicknames yeah. for it, but, um, you know, sometimes it just, it, it fits the bill, but, um, well, that's, that's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at some point donuts made a very big impression on your life. So I was, thinking about right. donut. um, so another, another question that we like to ask, and I love asking these questions of folks like me who were born here and, and, and grew up with the Portuguese American experience. So what does it mean to you to be Portuguese? Yeah. Yeah. To me being Portuguese, um, just me, like, I feel like work ethic is, a huge aspect of that. And I just love the big family aspect. I love talking about how large my family is. And, um, you know, the fact that my mom, there was 10 siblings and on my dad's side, there were seven siblings, you know, I'm a numbers person. And so when I give out these numbers and see people's reactions, I absolutely love it. So those are, those are uh, a couple of the things that really stick out to me when I think about, um, Think about my culture and just people um, just bringing together the family and the food aspect of it as well. 
I, I just think there's something so, so, so special when people sit down and have a meal together. That means a lot to me. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think we both agree on that. I think it's very important and it's something that you, um, people, I don't think think about it as much as they really should, mm-hmm. but having someone sit at the table and making sure that the whole family sits at the table and not in front of a TV and right. not in the living room and one person sitting in another room, it's everyone together. And I think if you constantly do that and you continue to do that, even after you're married and you have children and you, and you pass that, you keep doing that. That's your family unit. That's how you find out everyone's day. That's how you find out what's going on in their life. This is, this is where you learn so many things is at that table. And that table is so important. And uh, we have to remind ourselves and we ha- whoever is listening out there, I know it's very easy to just say, okay, go, go eat somewhere else. So yeah, I, I, you know, whatever. It just, you know, standing up and eating. No, take that time to sit down as a family at that table. And it is, it's, it's family, it's food, it's our work ethic. It's all of that. But when we're sitting down as a family, as a unit, that is, uh, that's a beautiful moment. And those are memories we'll, we never forget. For for sure. Yeah, no. And that's, that's actually something that we, um, we try to do here, especially with Aurelia. And even if it's, you know, her attention span is (laughs) 10 minutes and then I want to get up, but you know, it's important to reiterate, no, this is, and actually say, no, this is family time. We sit and then we're going to talk about our day and you tell me what, you know, what's going on. And it doesn't have to be like serious conversation, you know, let's have fun yeah. with it. And we even, you know, um, uh, kind of have fun conversations about what's the most silly thing you did today or whatever, but it's, right. it's just the act of sitting there and reiter- like reinforcing this family unit, um, yeah. uh, you know, concept that we are, together and there are things we do together there's always time for tv and ipad and all that but here this is our time together so i think it's super super important so i agree that is important well this has been wonderful yeah so So, um, i hope i hope we've uh for those listening you've enjoyed it also and maybe you know more about cryptocurrencies and or you want now to learn even more about it and uh and take mariah's suggestion of going on YouTube and, and listening and seeing <laughs> more of that. Yeah. Uh, but this has been wonderful. Thank you, hon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. You guys are wonderful. Hus. Thank you. Well, we'll end on just one, one last quick question. Um, you know, what's next for you? I mean, I know you're planning oh, on moving, true. I know you're planning on moving to Puerto Rico, but you know, like in a year, five years, kind of where do you, where would you like to be with this whole cryptocurrency thing or what would you like to be doing? Yeah. So, um, I, I don't like to plan my life out too far in advance and I don't have no idea how long I'll be here for. I'm definitely the kind of person that just goes with the flow, but I would like to just become, you know, a better educator and, and teaching people about what I know about cryptocurrency. Um, you know, I hope it gets to a point where I've done so well in cryptocurrency that I can just spend a large portion of my life, uh, volunteering. And I think what's really cool in, in Puerto Rico is that um, you know, in the States, there's so much regulation and people always trying to stop you and making progress and doing things. But I mean, you can just walk right into it like an orphanage here in Puerto Rico and put money and 
you know, rebuild their facilities and make really big improvements in really short periods of time. And so um, that's something that I would love to do out here um, in Puerto Rico. So that's something that's, it's always in the back of my head is just, you know, I always say that life's about choices, but you know, we don't choose our parents and some people, you know, are blessed with amazing parents and a lot of children aren't. And I think that's one of the biggest problems um, in our country and around the world is just so many kids in orphanages and in the foster care system. So if I can make any kind of impact um, in that area, then um, I feel like I'll be uh, living my best life. That's beautiful. amazing. That's so, ugh, that's I, 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 I'm you and I are are definitely connected on that level because if there's any thing that makes me the saddest is is to think about you know how children are are treated uh, in other situations so that's a very very noble and very um good a good cause doesn't even begin to to (laughs) say what it is so I hope that you're that you're able to do that and I will say if there's anything that we can do to help that cause absolutely Please let us know because yeah. yes, I. Yep, yeah, we all feel the same. Yeah, we absolutely feel the same way. Yep. But this yeah, has been um, this has been amazing. You are amazing. We're so proud of you. Um, Very proud keep, of you. Keep trusting your gut and uh, keep and on succeeding. Just it, keep on succeeding. Yeah, embracing that risk, and uh, yeah. I, I highly doubt you will ever be homeless. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I hope that our listeners have uh, come away inspired and maybe feel a little bit more, what's the word I'm looking for, brave to, to take a risk here and there. And I'm not saying, you know, sell your house and go buy a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. But I'm saying, you know, don't don't let people tell you not to do something if you right. something that you really want to do. So I hope people feel inspired after today's conversation. And And we actually didn't even say how old you are. And we, I don't don't need to, we don't need to. She's in her 20s. She's in her early 20s. <laughs> right. Which I think could be enough. But I mean, you're like, you're super. super I'm 25. Yeah. Compared to us, you're, you're a baby. But you've. You're a baby. So I'm old enough to be your mother. Yeah. I mean, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so ma- but already so mature and have already accomplished so much. So, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it's I, this is just, you know what, Angela, this is, we are just talking right now in the beginning, in the very, very beginning of what Mariah is going to be doing. And I can see it in years time. It will just be, we'll be like, oh my God. And remember the day we spoke to her? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it, it on to bigger and better, honey. Always, always forward. Always look forward. Fall forward, right? All forward, all forward. All forward. <laughs> well, you guys are amazing and so much fun. I had a great time speaking with Thank you. you. And um, you guys are really great hosts. And um, I actually learned from you guys as well and appreciated hearing, you know, everything you had to share about, you know, the culture and food. And I love talking about food. So this was like, we covered all <laughs> my favorite topics. So I'm just grateful that you let me talk about everything I love the most about this Aww. world. Thank you again. Thank you so much. And thanks everybody out there for listening uh, to yet another episode of our Portuguese table. We hope you enjoyed it. Everybody out there, I hope you're already subscribers, but if you're not, click that subscribe button. And most importantly, please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. That actually helps us quite a bit just in terms of people finding us and being able to, uh, to listen to these great 
conversations with people in our community who are, are doing so well and, and inspiring others. So please uh, leave us a review. And um, and as always, we love hearing from you. So feedback, yes, whether, it's on, whether yeah. it's on Facebook, via our website, anything. Um, let us know how we're doing. If you have a suggestion, we're going to be doing another Q&A session uh, coming yes, up. Yes, we so. are. So send us your questions. And with that, it's it's another great episode in the bag, Maria yes. and Mariah. So yes. thanks very much for your time. Thank okay, you. Okay, honey. Até a próxima, querida. Até a próxima. Bye. Ciao. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até a próxima! Até a próxima.